Welcome to our Wyzetta Free Conversations podcast. This week, our conversation about race and justice continues with Kevin Meyer, lead pastor at Wyzetta Free Church, and Dr. Rob Vischer, dean of law school at St. Thomas University. So let's go on to the uh, the kind of the last leg of our journey here together. I'm going to kind of throw out another land bomb because um, we're going to be um, talking about the justice. And uh, one of the things that comes up often is reparation. I'd like your thoughts on that. Well, so I think years ago when I would hear talk of reparations, I was pretty dismissive of thinking, what in the world? That's that's never going to work politically. And I don't even, you know, that just seems wrongheaded as a remedy, et cetera. As I've delved more deeply into the root of a lot of the current inequities we have, which I think is a lack of economic resources and power and at bottom hope, I think reparations are something that that Christians need to be taking seriously. I'm not saying everyone has to agree or support, but at least to take seriously. And what form that would be, I've seen some proposals of setting aside um, funds to invest in nonprofits that work primarily in black communities, things like that, that I, I think need to be taken seriously. But I think we shouldn't just be having this conversation at the level of what government policy should be. It's also for church communities and, and personal, uh, in our personal lives. I know my uh, mom and her small group at their church in, in Wheaton, Illinois, um, they've, they've started putting together resources so that they can partner with a nonprofit Christian organization that works in an impoverished uh, section of Chicago to help first-time home buyers afford a down payment to buy their own house. Um, and that's a very practical way where you can recognize the great harm that has been done for generations by excluding uh, black families from home ownership and stepping forward to help. So reparations, yes, what the form is, I think is a matter that's wide open for debate. And, and that's a great point because I remember reading about um, some churches in Atlanta, uh, white churches that have actually brought together some money and are working with a very... Um, um, challenge in difficult black neighborhood with the leaders and helping them use some of that money to help kids to get education and things such as that. So I think there are some ways that are creative that are kind of like that Zacchaeus kind of reparation. Let me ask you though, on a more general sense and, and what is justice, what is justice in your, in your opinion, especially being a uh, Dean of a law school? Uh, what, what are some of the forms and, and what, how would you, um, say, if Jesus was stepping into this, what does it look like? Right. So justice is right relationships. It's not just a, um, you hear talks about distributive justice. There's also something called commutative justice. Commutative mm -hmm. justice is, uh, was this transaction fair? Was each party to the transaction treated fairly? That's important, but it doesn't take us that far. Distributive justice is who gets what slice of the pie. Yeah, that's, that's relevant, but I also don't think it takes us far enough. What I prefer is what's called participatory justice, which has been uh, espoused by the Catholic Church for many years. And it's looking not just at who gets what, but are we, are we providing the conditions that allows each person to participate fully in our shared life, including our shared economic life? Are they able to maximize their God-given potential and be an active participant in our shared life. And so that's one thing that I think we have to focus on is how are our steps 
not just giving more or different things to different people, but how are we equipping folks to be full participants and agents in our in our shared life? And we're going to have lots of different opinions on what that might be. I think what's crucial is Christians, white Christians, are involved in the conversation. And and as, uh, you know, when just to harken back to debates from previous years, um, I would tell the story about. Uh, evangelical Christians and the same-sex marriage debate. One of the issues there was I likened marriage to a house that was engulfed in flames Mm -hmm. because of the rise of no-fault divorce, because of the cheapening of the marriage culture. For many reasons, over 40 years before same-sex marriage even became an active debate. And I saw evangelical Christians sitting on the front porch of the house, not really saying anything about the inferno that was going on behind them. Mm-hmm. Then a same-sex couple walks up and they start to light a cigarette and the Christian shouts at them from the steps of the house, put that away, that's a fire hazard. Mm-hmm. My point was, if, you're, if, if you, the first time you're speaking out in defense of marriage was to object to gays and lesbians seeking to benefit from the institution of marriage. Mm -hmm. The message that communicates is not that you're interested in maintaining marriage or that you're interested in restoring right relationship. The message is you've got a problem with those people based on who they are. So bringing that forward to the debates about Black Lives Matter, if we are interested in restoring right relationship, If our black brothers and sisters and other members of the community hear for the first time evangelical Christians speaking out about racism in order to condemn Black Lives Matter, Mm -hmm. that sends a very strong message that this really isn't about your interest in racial justice. This is your opposition to what Black Lives Matter stands for. It's fine to disagree with Black Lives Matter on any number of issues, but you better be in the conversation where you're looking actively to promote right relationships in the area of race relations, which has to involve a an, an accurate and candid assessment of the scandalous racial disparities we have in our country and what the Christian community hopes to contribute in, in addressing those. So it is about right relationship. And if it's about right relationship, justice requires us to be actively engaged in the conversation, not just proclaiming what we're opposed to. Right. Well, that's like you said, it's far easier to look at the negatives than it is the positives. And then to kind of move into that is really important, which takes, as I have been just thinking about this whole matter of justice, did a message on this and did some study. And I just, in my, my heart, when I was thinking about justice, um, I just pictured what we see, which comes out of a, um, a Judeo-Christian framework. When we look at some of the things in law, you have a jury who hears uh, the case. You have a judge who is there to kind of mediate it. Both of them, when you think of this, do, the jury doesn't say anything. They sit there the whole time and they listen. They seek to understand. Uh, and, and the judge pretty much doesn't say much except for trying to keep the story going so that the story can be heard um, with truth and, and, and understand. And, and then at some point they move to a place as they have 
they have listened and sought to understand, they begin to deliberate because you have to begin to start teasing out what you do and don't know individually, even as a group. And eventually, it's really funny, you, the deciding, the execution of it is really a little part in, in that whole process, right? Um, and I look at um, one of the things that I think the church can do is take the posture of how Jesus took a posture often, I believe, where there was that sense of listening and understanding and, and then beginning to, you know, that's for us to deliberate. And what does it mean then for us to enter into this by moving things forward to right relationship between black, white, or any race um, would be one of the thoughts I have on that. Yeah, that's an important point. And I'll take it a, a step farther with a story of a friend of mine who's a white evangelical Christian pastor. He uh, went with an organization that that brings black pastors and white pastors together and they do a tour of civil rights sites in the south where they're partnering with each other on the bus ride and in their lodging and everything and it was a transformative experience for him and he tells a story of when they came back for their debrief and the white pastors had all these ideas about the programs they wanted to do and the things they wanted to do with their congregation and this action plan, et cetera. And, and one of the black pastors uh, spoke up and, and just said, well, why don't we start by having dinner next month? Mm. Which I yeah. think was an important point that yes, there are lots of problems that we need to be actively involved in helping solve and bring our best thinking and resources to doing it. But if we're leading with problem solving at the expense of relationship, we're missing it. We have to lead with relationship. And for some white Christians, that's gonna be a challenge because we have so geographically segregated ourselves in this country, both in church and in our homes and in schools. That's, that's a hard thing to come by sometimes, but we have to be creative and proactive and deliberate about building relationships. Justice is right relationship. It doesn't end with personal relationship. It does have to affect policy, practice, cultural patterns, etc. But we've got to focus on relationships as well. So in that vein, um, to be able to listen and understand and deliberate, you really can't do that well if you're not in relationship. And we right. don't have a lot of that. I have to say, um, Rob, when you spoke at our church back in uh, November, there was a couple who was um, very moved by some of the things you said, who went afterwards, um, a month or so later, uh, looked for a place that they could go worship in a black congregation and taking their kids, um, began to strike up a relationship with that church in, in North Minneapolis. Uh, COVID hit, things happened, George Floyd happened. And so things kind of slowed down. They got back together after that, uh, after the George Floyd and all the civil unrest that took place there. And um, they, you know how we want to do, we, we just want to do, the pastor of this black church said, let's start by just standing around in the parking lot and, because of COVID and praying. And that's what they've been doing for the last like five, six weeks. Part of the next um, episode in this is going to be talking with this black pastor and, and then eventually with the couple that went into that. So um, you need to know, you go out and you probably don't realize the impact you have, but that has generated some really great things that we're beginning to see within our own church. And so I, I just have to say thank you uh, for some of the work that you're doing in this. And, and I, if you want to say something, I'll give you another thought and then we're going to kind of close this up. But you look like. Yeah, no, thanks. That's a great encouragement. And we're all on this journey together. And again, for, for white 
Christians, this should not be a journey of shame. It should be a journey of growing self-awareness and structural awareness and just discerning what God's call is on us in terms of pursuing justice, which starts with right relationship. So right relationship, need to be in relationship. Um, the church has to. We begin to move into that um, and, and taking some of those thoughts together. Let me just say uh, a lot of people um, are thinking about this next election as being a really important thing. What's your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I do think the election is important, but I am discouraged by the extent to which um, Americans in general, but including Christians, have come to this notion that 98% of our engagement in the world of politics consists of our decision on who to vote for for U.S. president. When in reality, what happens at the state level, the municipal level, the neighborhood level is so much more important for our daily lives, particularly if we understand justice as right relationship. So I encourage folks, yes, of course, we should be engaged in the national issues of the day in the presidential election. But when we pretend that that decision is the extent of our call to be engaged in the political realm as Christians, and political realm, I mean broadly, the Catholic social teaching has something that they uh, call civic friendship, which is building relationships with our neighbors in common cause to address issues in our communities. Hmm. And that's where we need to double down on our efforts, not to abandon the national political stage, but we need to understand that that's just a very small fraction of how lives are shaped by our efforts to engage with neighbors on issues that matter. Well, we need to have another conversation. Um, one of the uh, the series coming up uh, in this whole conversation will be, let's talk about elections. So talked about racism. Maybe I'll have an opportunity if you're willing to come back and we can talk about that. Because I think entering into that conversation in this fall period is going to be an important thing for the church to be like Jesus. So let's continue to have these honest and courageous conversations and, and let's speak and act and live like um, our Lord Jesus. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Wyzetta Free Conversations podcast. For more information about Wyzetta Free Church, please check out wyzettafree.org or download our app available on the App Store or on Google Play.